lovers, this is Dr. Candace Nicole with How to Love a Human. You can follow me and the How to Love a Human project on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Candace Nicole and HowToLoveAHuman.com, where I welcome your contribution to the conversation. Today I'm dialoguing with Ramon, and I appreciate all you lovers out there for taking this journey with me to discover how to love a human. Hey. Hi. Thanks for having me on How to Love a Human. I am so excited that you're here. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling human or human as fuck today? I'm definitely half. I'm <laughs> Half. All right, cool. Human or half? <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to drop a jewel on you. What are your most salient identities? Who are you? I honestly wouldn't say a black male. Okay, break it down for me. I think I think beyond the actual identification as a male, like what what is a male supposed to be? What is a male supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Um, I really identify as a human. At least I, I, I try to. Um, I guess just because of the world al- always reminds you that you are black. And they always try to stick you into the male column that peg you as a male all the time. I like to think of myself as a human. And I know that's kind of a, you know, utopian view and people, people will push back and be like, Wait, you black, you're a man. Your blackness comes first. I think I identify as a, as a human, as a Christian, as a, as a ball of light first. Okay. So what makes human, Christian, and ball of light stand out as opposed to the other identities? I think there's no limits on what you can do, right? There's no limits on if I want to make a beaded bracelet, if I want to have a tea party with my little niece, or if I want to go out and ride a bull. Or, you know, if I want to uh, write some poetry or cook a meal or um, if I want to do something not pegged as, as especially black, like listen to some rock music and, and nod my head and head bang out or listen to some making my way downtown and sing the whole lyrics to the whole song, like in the movie White Girls, like not expressively black. Um, right. Just human. Identifying as a Christian human, meaning, you know, my first my first job is to love people. My first job is to, you know, we're not perfect, but try to exemplify that love mm. by just helping holding a door for somebody or helping somebody with a tire or, hey, you dropped this. You might want that and flashing a smile that just lets them know, hey, it's light. I'm, I'm a human just like you. Black, white, Mexican, whatever. So it sounds like. You're saying you hope to minimize the impact that blackness, maleness, and whatever other marginalized identities you might have embody by identifying as human because you don't want to be stereotyped. I don't, I don't want to be stereotyped, but I, I, I'm matured enough that I know I will be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I guess I'm not going to do it in response to someone not stereotyping me. I'm just, I just want to be myself at all times, which is human and Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if somebody happens to see that in action, um, hopefully it will break their stereotypes. But I'm not going to sit back and do the Tom Jones Carlton dance in front of a white person to help break a stereotype that I'm a black male. Gotcha. So you want a liberated view of blackness that includes rock music, that includes country music, right? Country music, whatever you are, because you are black, you want an all inclusive definition. Mm -hmm. And for you, human gives you that rather than saying I'm a black man. Right. So if, if I, if I identify as a black man, you automatically think hip hop, R and B, you think who thinks that the world, right? The stereotypical world, right? Um, as opposed to no limits. Me, I live with no limits. So it's like I identify as a as a, a human first. And of course the black and the male and the and the heterosexual comes in after that, you know, but the human and Christian comes first because it's like that's who I am. Mm. You might catch me listening to some country music. You might catch me liking soccer better than basketball. It doesn't mean that I'm less black. But the world may see me as less black because I do. Mm, mm-hmm. Right. And that's sad. But. You know, I'm on how to love a human, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm a human. What and if I, you, you accept all the differences? What if you do like rap music, though? What if you like and I do. You know what I mean? What if you like all of the things that are stereotypically black in addition to the things that are outside of those stereotypes? What do you think that well, means? I, I think that's the thing, though, the in addition to. Right. Mm-hmm. So like the world gets caught up on you like rap music. Bam. I knew it. You're black. I knew it. <laughs> black, Right. But the world get the world doesn't pay attention to the extras. And I'm all into the extras in life. Right. It's like, yeah, you like rap music, but so does the white boy that lives down the street. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, what else, though? What else besides these mainstream kind of we can humans, we take and we like to peg things in order. That's why we have different genres of music. Then we have music out there that people are so um, afraid of because they don't know where to peg it. Mm-hmm. You know, we got different subsects of, of, of rock like ska and all these different type of rocks that people have to like in your brain have to categorize. And I think as, as a part of loving a human, you have to almost take away those categories. Mm. Not, I'm, I'm just speaking of music, but categories of everything, categories of skin color, of shades, categories of music. We're talking about categories of, of religion, right? Anything that you can peg somebody by, we need to go ahead and remove those. And that's how you can get to loving a human mm. is to take all the categories away from them. And to you see the human side of them, which, you know, which is still a, a, a peg. Right. So I'm a human Christian. So automatically anybody that's Muslim or Buddhist or 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 whatever, Hindu or Brahmin, they're already going to think a certain way of them because I already in my human mind said I'm human, but I'm a Christian. Mm hmm. Right. So already just with that simple one, people have pegged me into loving spiritual music, believing a God that has not been seen. 
believing a man that has died for me that, that nobody has seen in this thousand years, you know, and, and believing in, in, in the sort of kind of mystical, kind of miraculous type of religion. So people have already pegged me as kind of a, a left thinking kind of out there type of person, right? And some people may see that as weak minded. Some people may see that as, as a sheep type of mind, as a follower type of mind. And some people may see that as a strong type of mind. But being a Christian human, it's already like, oh, you pegged. So what I'm hearing you say sounds like you want a colorblind, gender blind, sexuality blind, religion blind world, as opposed to loving people and loving their uniqueness. You want to pretend like the uniquenesses don't exist. I don't. I don't, right? Because even like coming off for me, I said I'm a what? Human Christian. Mm -hmm. Like that's the uniqueness that somebody needs to love about me. Like I can step outside of, of myself and realize that the religion that I'm in is very mystical by nature, right? It has some very good solid text behind it, but there are going to be people who don't agree with it. So already, I'm already creating um, a slot for myself for people to not like me. But so you don't want blackness in there. Huh? You don't want blackness in that slot. No, no, I'm saying that blackness is in there, right? So I said, you said the most salient. What do I identify as the most salient? Right. The, salient, the most salient is I'm a human. Gotcha. I'm not a bear. I'm not a dog. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a human first. That's the most salient. Like, I wake up and my knee hurts. Shit, I'm a human, right? Because it's like, oh, I have tendons and muscles to get old. I'm definitely a human. Then I step down to beyond a human, I'm a Christian. That's the most salient, kind of that first category that the world kind of is like, yes, now I know kind of where he is, mm. right? Because Christianity, you still, you're spanning all, you can be Chinese all the way from white to black to Indian, and you can be a Christian, a Mexican, right? So it's still like broad category, mm -hmm. but that's the most salient of what I identify with. Gotcha. The next thing I identify with is being a male. Okay. I'm a male. I'm not going to run around. And I mean, I'm, again, that's just me. No no disrespect to others, but I'm not going to run around in some high heels and a dress and some panties on. It's physically impossible for me, right? It's not um, physically impossible. You don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. And panties just don't fit men right, right? Okay. So I have to wear underwear, right? <laughs> but scaling down kind of going down into the funnel then i identify as black so i am a human christian male black mm, okay you feel me mm -hmm. um i still identify with all of those things but it's in that order gotcha i see what you're saying what about things like your ability status like are you differently or disabled or your socioeconomic status, things like that. You know, just from knowing people from all of those different areas, mm -hmm. knowing some of my disabled friends who will never be able to walk, um, knowing some of my friends who are from where I'm from, right, who can't even afford their own shirt on their back. Mm -hmm. It has to be given to them. Um, all the way up to friends who have trust funds, you know, and speaking from the ability level, all the way from friends who play in the NFL, who are way more physically adept than I am, mm -hmm. right? 
Um, I see those as below everything else because you're still a Christian before you are disabled, right? Like okay. all of these things, you're still a male before you're disabled. You're still black before you're disabled or rich or poor. Okay. Like all of these, all of these things are sub the, your race and mm. your gender for me. Okay. Got it. So whereas I see them on a matrix, you see them in a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I see what you're saying. I'm going to pause here. So we're back and I'm talking with Ramon on how to love a human. Hi. Hey again. And what we're going to do is jump right into the next question. Okay. This is about love. What does love Hmm. mean to you? It's a big word. It's a huge word. It is big, right? Wow. Love is all-encompassing. Let me think. How can I break down what love means to me? Um, You know, my my definition of love is not always soft and fluffy. So everybody's like, oh, love is caring and flowers and marshmallows and ice cream to a little girl, right? And, you know, a little pickup truck to a little boy on Christmas. And, you know, but love is also corrective. Mm. Um, you know, love is also, um, I wouldn't say harsh, but, um, it's not swallowed easily by some. You say corrective, like break that down for me. So love, love can be telling a loved one, (laughs) a family member, um, that, the path they're going down is not the best for them. Mm. Right. And that's a corrective action. So like saying you have a family member that's addicted to something, right. Specifically, maybe drugs, alcohol, uh, maybe gambling, right. Maybe sex in the wrong venue, so to say, um, they can be corrective. That's love. That person might not take it as love, though, right? Like the person receiving that correction might not take it as love. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we all we all have to start thinking about love as uh, not just the fluffy, fluffy, but also the corrective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we are um, veering toward a passive-aggressive world to where it's being interwoven into our society. And the passive aggressiveness, the passive aggressiveness, okay. and that corrective nature of love is is going away hmm. slowly, uh, and it's evident. It's evident in the growing prison populations. It's evident um, in uh, children acting out at school, higher suspension rates, higher than ever. More schools and more behavior problems. Schools trying to find out different social emotional learning curriculums because. You know, kids are not, you know, responding well to the passive aggressive. Sometimes there needs to be correction. That mm. is love. And as adults, we need that. Mm. Um, it doesn't need to stop. Um, it helps us grow. Love love is, is growing. I always think of love like a farmer, right? Um, you plant the seed. That's so loving. You put the seed in this soft, fluffy dirt. That's so loving. You put loving water on it every day. Like, hey, here's the water. 
and then it breaks the ground. It's like, okay, here's the sun, right? Like, let me give you just enough sun. Let me pull back the weeds so they don't shade you. But then sometimes that plant has some leaves that are causing it not to grow higher. So then that farmer comes and starts breaking stems and leaves off. Mm. Pruning. Pruning. Mm-hmm. And it looks painful, right? It looks like, whoa, what are you doing to that plant? When I first saw my grandmother cutting her plant, I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm loving all my plants. I'm pruning them. What? You cutting big leaves? You cutting the biggest leaves off on the bottom? She was like, so it can grow mm. taller. So it can reach more sun. And I was just like, oh. So love isn't always like loving and fluffy. Sometimes it's pruning. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to help people cut stuff off of them that's holding them back. And I wonder, do you think that the pruning process is bi-directional? Or Mm. if it should come from one person over another how does think, power play into the pruning? I don't think there's any power, so to say, mm-hmm. even with the plant, right? Because it, all love is bi-directional. Mm-hmm. The plant gives us love by giving us oxygen, right? By pruning that plant, that plant grew taller, grew mm-hmm. more leaves, grew more surface area on leaves to give us more oxygen. But to build on that metaphor, a plant can't prune a human. True. So True. I wonder in a more human context Mm -hmm. do you think there are some people who is love receiving pruning Mm. um or giving pruning or Mm. both and are there some folks who shouldn't be pruning or (laughs) who should i don't know i'm asking (laughs) i think love is definitely reciprocal and bi-directional okay um you know, we can we can all receive correction and love, like fluffy love and, and affirmations mm-hmm. and all of these things from uh, the most unexpected source. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we may walk up um, to a homeless person and, and, and really think in our minds and our human minds, I'm doing better than them. I've made better life decisions than them. And then you walk up to this person and they prune you. Mm-hmm. And they say. They may say something that corrects you in your life that you you've been so haughty in your ways mm-hmm. and they cut you back a notch so lovingly. But it's corrective to your life. Mm-hmm. I've, I, some things have been said to me by some homeless men. I've been like, oh, that's wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't open to receiving that pruning at that time, mm-hmm. because in my mind, as a young man in my 20s, I'm thinking, ha, I got a job. I'm making better decisions than this guy. Got it. Let me go up and give him a dollar. Not thinking, here goes this dollar. I'm going to give him some love, mm-hmm. right? Thinking it's my in my mind at that time, at that age, this is my humanly duty. Let me mm-hmm. give him money. But I received pruning. And that act of superficial love, I received deep love, mm. corrective love. Okay. And in my older years now, I'm like, oh, he gave me some love back. Gotcha. You know, if I was any more naive and younger, I'd have been like, why is he so mean? Mm-hmm. Right? So you're right. It it, it definitely, um, it doesn't change the fact that it's love, mm-hmm. but it, it will get given. It is just, it, it matters if it gets received. Mm, okay. But it's still love. Love is love. Got it. Right? It's, what, it's really just naming it. Right? 
and recognizing it from the person who's receiving it. So a part of the love process, it sounds like love is action for you. Mm -hmm. Like the action of correction, the action of pruning. And affirmation too. We gotta And affirmation. Together. Right. And care. All mm -hmm. those things that you were describing. Mm -hmm. Giving. And then there are certain parts of it that are easier to receive than others. Mm -hmm. So the parts that feel fluffy, like you said, mm -hmm. might be easier to receive. Right. And on the receptive side of that is receiving one's affirmation and love, also love. Mm -hmm. and, and then on the receptive side of the other side of it, the corrective pruning side mm -hmm. is receiving the pruning also a form of love or is that just reception that i think that's a form of love as well just as well as accepting <clears throat> that affirmation right i think accepting is it, it can't just be omnidirectional meaning i'm sorry just just one direction mm -hmm. right it just can't be um given to the person because mm -hmm. think about it if you give somebody love affirmation you give them a gift mm -hmm. and in some cultures if you turn down that gift that's blasphemy. Yeah. You turned down my gift. You turned down my act of love. Mm -hmm. So the act of receiving love is just as important. That's why I say it's bi-directional. Okay. Definitely. Um, you have to receive it. Um, it, it in the same way with the, um, the correction. You got to receive the correction. Mm. Now, <laughs> depending on your reaction to the what correction. What was the laugh about? Because, you know, you're thinking about it like if somebody corrects somebody. And if you find somebody with with a huge ego or a chip on their shoulders and you correct them, you're going to get a reaction that's not so loving. Mm -hmm. Right? But still doesn't change the fact that that person sent the corrective love to that person. And how do you stay the course as the person offering the corrective love when you get a reaction that doesn't feel loving in return? Mm -hmm. How do you maintain that posture? You know, it, it takes... People who give corrective love mm -hmm. in the right way and not criticize. Because there's a difference. Okay. There's a difference in tone, right? All love is still for the best. When you hear the truth about yourself, mm -hmm. it hurts regardless. Okay. Right? So delivery definitely is a can change it. But it's still love. The truth is love. Mm, the truth. Is the another piece is to it. Okay. Yeah, the truth. Say more about somebody, this If truth. somebody told you a lie and they said, you know, uh, Dr. Hargons, you're a white woman. You're going to look at them like, but my skin has melanin inside of it. No, that's not the truth. No? Mm -mm. I'm just using that as an example. Something yeah. so, so profound, right? Salient. But if somebody said... Dr. Hargons, you're a black woman. <laughs> okay, I am. Right, so now take that over into something that's like really, that can really hurt somebody, right? right. Something that's judgmental. I just came up there with the top of my head, right. but if somebody says something that's truthful about you, that you don't like, though, mm -hmm. right? Dr. Dr. Hargons, you have big feet. Mm -hmm. And if you did have big feet in real life, and if you really had, uh, if you were cognizant of that, You'd be like, well, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. Well, let me see your feet. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, if it was something that you didn't feel excited or good about. Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and that's a, you know what? That's a bad example because that's something you can't change. 
You know, usually when somebody gives you love, it's something that's corrective and something you can change. Okay. Right. So in a in a in a pretend world, if we can change the size of our feet, <laughs> you know, that feedback would have been corrective. Got it. You know, and you can say, you know what? Okay, well, I'm going to go and get some normal size feet. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and I know that's a weird <laughs> usage of a metaphor, but I hope that gets across what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. As far as it's still love. Um, it can be delivered in a criticizing way. Mm-hmm. It can be delivered in a more loving way. It can be delivered in a in a a hurtful way, super hurtful way, right? But it's still love. Mm. Because that person cared enough to tell you about it. So and for you to change. In that in that part of the process, the corrective parts of love. Mm-hmm. There's an encouragement to change. Mm-hmm. It seems like in the affirming parts of love, mm-hmm. there is acceptance of you as is. Mm-hmm. Of the be, of the now, of what you are. How you manage both. Mm-hmm. It's deep, right? Yeah. As the giver and receiver. Mm-hmm. How, do you balance, how do you balance giving affirmations and care and love and correction? Mm-hmm. And how do you balance receiving all of mm-hmm. it as well? Um, that's a good question. I think as Americans uh, and what we've been raised in and this whole culture of everybody wins and everybody at the Little League gets a trophy, whether you mm-hmm. lost or won, um, we're in such an affirming culture now, a falsely affirming culture, that... Um, Everybody veers away from those courageous conversations Mm. with people. Everybody veers away from it. So I don't really think it's a problem people have nowadays. I don't think people really give corrective anything. It's a lot of yes men um, out here. It's a lot of people who, um, you know, as they say, brown nose Mm -hmm. up to people. Meaning there's a lot of gossip, right? Gossip is the number one clue, the number one indicator, the number one piece of evidence that we are in a society that does not like courageous conversations. We're having these pretend conversations about these pretend courageous conversations about people on the side that we want to have with that person. Mm -hmm. But we're having them with other people. Because we're not courageous enough to take it to that person and say, I want to give you this corrective love. So as you're building out this, I'm seeing you add Courage to your definition mm-hmm. of love. Um, honesty Courage. or truth mm-hmm. to your definition of love. Mm-hmm. Um, correction mm-hmm. and care. Mm-hmm. Affirmation. Mm-hmm. Any other parts about you that you would want to add to that? You know, love is, again... I don't want to go back to a cliche, but love is kind, right? Mm -hmm. It can be kind. I wouldn't say love is always kind again, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Love is giving by nature. Mm -hmm. You're giving. Nobody asked you to give that affirmation. Mm -hmm. Nobody asked you to give that correction. Nobody asked you to give that gift. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely think it's giving. Giving is huge. Okay. In love, it has to be, you know, intrinsically motivated from that giver. So, okay. 
I'm switching a little bit, building okay. on this concept of love as you defined it. Mm -hmm. What would the world be like Ooh. if it loved Christian men? Those were your two most salient mm. identities. Mm -hmm. So Christian male humans, wow. what would the world be like if it loved? And if there are other identities that you think matter to this yeah. part of the process, you can yeah. let me know what those are too. I mean, I definitely think, again, going in that hierarchy, mm -hmm. um, being a Christian, being a man, being black, you know, um, and if you go going as far as the worldview, being American, mm -hmm. that affords its privileges just by mm -hmm. saying American, right? Mm -hmm. um, thinking in a world perspective. Um, what would the world be like if it loved a, a Christian black man who is American? What if it loved you? What if it loved me? What would it look like? Mm -hmm. What would it be like? I always thought about that mm -hmm. and I've always wondered if there's love for one, does there have to be a disdain for the other? Mm -hmm. Because we're human, because we're very hierarchical, hierarchical mm -hmm. in our thinking, um, kind of like the India kind of caste system. Mm -hmm. It's like, would, if we were the top, if we were loved, would something else be the bottom? Hmm. Would white male atheists be the bottom? Or would that would, would be would that be what you would want? I wouldn't want it. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. What would you think? You, the question was, how would you think the world would? Be? What mm -hmm. What do you think the world would be if and you could design it? Oh, if I could design mm -hmm. it, utopian, yeah, Ramon society, mm -hmm. yo. Hey, just got happy. <laughs> I mean, going going away from the constructs of, of of human nature and the world, um, a Christian man would love for everybody to be loved. Mm -hmm. Um, it would love for every religion to be loved. I think that's why I picked Christianity through my walk through religions. Is um, it loves everyone mm -hmm. and it recognizes everyone. Um. Now, it does say there's only one way mm -hmm. to this certain goal, right? And the goal is is, is the afterlife. Um, there is only one way to this certain goal to get to this certain place called heaven. Mm. So if you're a, per a person that has bought into this idea of heaven and you want to get to that place, there's only one way to get to that place. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't say there's only one way to be happy in life. Um. And it doesn't say you should only love one person. I think mm -hmm. there's been a lot of perversion of Christians. Okay. Uh, there's been a lot of alt-right people, white supremacists, mm -hmm. um, KKK. Um, there's been a lot of, you know, other different subsects of people who, who claim a Christian lifestyle, but don't, are, are so not inclusive mm -hmm. um, that it hurts even the idea of saying Christian sometimes. Um, when you think of Christian, you think of a person who says amen and hallelujah every second of every day and judges people with their eyes and, mm. you know, um, doesn't talk lewdly about 
or make a bad joke or drink a drop of alcohol or you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we get this idea of Christian and we we almost get a exclusionary type of view, right? Like they're excluding a lot of people. They're excluding homosexuals. They're excluding um, people who are Muslim, who are Hindu. And it's totally opposite of that in my world. It's just an all-inclusive world of be who you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Here's an option on the table. You can be a Christian. Um, when you say inclusive, what do you mean? Inclusive meaning that there is no judgment and okay. there is no um, talking down mm, on like people. Contempt? Right? Like microaggressing, okay. microaggressing toward them. You know what I mean? Kind of like yeah, we have our religion over here, and it's the greatest, it's the best. And, uh, yeah, you're kind of on a road to hell over there if you're a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Or you're on a road to hell if you're a Hindu, and did you know hell is horrible? Mm-hmm. And that's, we're not to, as Christians, and if you read through the Bible, nobody really, no man, I'm going to say not, no man attacked it from a, a negative way like that. It was more like, here is the light. Here is a way you should here's a way you should go a place you kind of want to be there is a dark place and you have a choice you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and if you don't choose to agree with this you're not going to die right now you'll still live a happy life you know um it's something you you just choose as a human um i think i'm just all for autonomy okay god's original plan right was autonomy for all Autonomy without judgment. That's my world. Autonomy without judgment. Got it. So if the world loved you, if it loved Mm -hmm. Christian, human, male, black, wait, Christian, (laughs) human, (laughs) black, males. I think that was. Yeah, Christian. I think that was your hierarchy. Black, male. It would be autonomy. It would allow for. Yeah. Autonomy without judgment. Mm-hmm. Any other things if you were describing this world? How oh. would you feel? How would it look? Autonomy without judgment is the overall theme of my Ramon's world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. speaking about it off the cuff. Um but I think more so love would be just the overall theme, mm-hmm. right? I think with love being abundant and not just the fluffy love, but the corrective love, um, I think the world would be a lot more progressive mm-hmm. with, with nobody afraid to reward those who needed to be rewarded. Um, praise those who need to keep getting pushed. Mm-hmm. Right. Speaking from my teacher standpoint. Yeah. Right. It's like reward those who are who are doing excellent. Right. Uh, praise those. Push those. Correct those mm-hmm. who need to lightly correct and then correct those a little bit more harder who are r- rebels. Gotcha. And it's like rebels to what? Mm-hmm. Rebels to love. Rebels to the whole cause of love. How can you be a rebel to love? Well, if you're not kind, if you're not caring, if you're not corrective, mm. that's, that's, that's rebelling against the system. If you see something 
and you're not helping to correct it, if you see a person getting addicted to drugs and you're not helping correct it, that's not love. Mm. So then now you need to be corrected. Mm -hmm. This is not what we do. In Ramon's world, if we see somebody falling, we pick them up, we love them, we correct them. Mm -hmm. If you see somebody call their wife out of their name, hey, pull them aside lovingly. You know we don't talk to women like that. We talk to them with love. So even in that, there's that undercurrent, right? There's that meta level of, hey, we have to correct as part of being loved. Mm -hmm. Um, Along with the affirmation, the caring, and the giving. um, I think it would be a lot better in this world. I really do. And I I don't want to address the the specific areas of, of concern with our world today like drugs and alcohol, but... um, I mean, those two have come up a number of times that you talked about it. It seems like those are pretty prevalent conditions that you feel like... Absolutely. Yeah. That you feel like, in some ways, are because of a lack of love. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They're directly... I would say they're directly related. I would go so far as to say that Mm -hmm. and have people fall out their chair. (laughs) Um, let's tackle it real quick. Alcohol. What is alcohol a part of? Why do people drink alcohol, right? They drink alcohol because, um, they're trying to fill a space Mm. of hurt. They drink alcohol because they're trying to numb themselves from some lack of love. Um, they drink alcohol because no one told them that this was super addictive and they seen them they saw them going down this path and felt enough love to be like hey i saw your great grandfather go down this path and your grandfather and your father i'm not going to let you do this to yourself mm. i can't and that that persistent love that correction to say i'm not going to let you do it i can't uh the same thing with drugs right drugs oh there's so much coverage of don't do drugs. You got dare mm-hmm. programs. You got all of these programs of why not to do drugs, stay off drugs. I do stay remember in school. the dare program. The dare program, right? <laughs> like huge. All this market, all this money put behind this to say don't do it. But then people still what they re- they rep they're rebels, right? They rebelled. They said I'm going to do drugs. Why? Why do people do drugs? If you know another, enough people, you know, in, in the AA programs for the alcohol and in the um, Narcotics Anonymous, the Narcotics Anonymous. And then like um, I, I sang in a program and celebrate recovery mm-hmm. and talk to a lot of those people. And it was like it was an absence of love. They did the drugs to replace the absence mm. of that void of people in their lives. Mm. No one cared enough to stop them. So. I'm going to feel good and numb myself. Wow. So with the presence of real love and correction and affirmations and rewarding and praising and giving, drugs would have never had a place. Wow. Gangs. That. Gangs would have never had a place. Gangs are directly correlated with a lack of love and a lack of family structure. Mm. These boys, these girls, they have no father figure. Sometimes they might have a father figure. The father figure might not be present mm. mentally 
physically even, right? Yeah. So it's like all of these big problems in the world can be solved with love. And, it's, and it sounds so fluffy to say it, but love is not all giving, giving, fluffy, fluffy. Again, it's correct. It doesn't it's, sound fluffy to me. That's why I'm doing this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I feel where you're coming from. But it can all be solved with love. What identities in others do you sometimes struggle to love? Ooh. You know, I never met a stranger. Mm-hmm. Personally. Um, I seek to understand people a lot. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot that ticks me off. Um, it's hard to love. Um, being as a, a teacher and an administrator... Uh, throughout the school systems, I know the the causes of some of these undesirable behaviors, mm-hmm. especially from children. And I think we spoke about. But I'm not even talking about behaviors, but identities. Identities. Like when Ooh. we talked about the salient ones for you. Yeah. Some of those identities and other people, race, class, gender, sexual orientation, religion, all of that. Yeah. Any of those, if. They are. You know, I would say any young black man in this world has a problem with white males. Mm. Um, say more. I have I have a problem with white males and honestly, this may this may make me sound crazy, but earlier in my life I had a problem with white women. You said crazy, why? Just because it it, it, it seems like you know, it's all white people. And to an effect, it was. Okay. At one point in time. Um, working in education is weird, but I've come to understand uh, white women mm-hmm. a little bit more because I work around them a little bit more. Right, right. Um, it but is I, a profession that's pretty much dominated, dominated by white women. By white women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've come to understand them a little bit more and why they react and it's definitely fear Mm. it's fear-based uh from the white women so that identity i used to have a problem with even back into my kindergarten years you know as a young black boy who was very bright reading Mm -hmm. at three and a half years old when i come to kindergarten my biggest competitor is who i'm competing with hands going up of the little white girls in the room Mm. who had all the family and the structural support and the and the tutoring and you know, the lineage behind them to do well in school. Mm. Um, so I was that, that outlier, that, that black, that black boy in classroom who hand raised up and I always felt, um, less than cause I wouldn't get called on. Mm. Right. Um, you weren't being acknowledged. I wasn't being, I was not being acknowledged. I was, I was grouped. I was grouped as, Oh, here's another underprivileged poor black boy. Mm. Um, he doesn't know. He thinks he knows. Poor child. Let me not call and embarrass him. Wow. But I knew. And so then, you know, through my schooling, it became a competition. It was who's going to get an AP class. You felt like you were competing oh, it for the slots? I was competing for the okay, slots. Okay, gotcha. Definitely. It was who's going to get an AP class. It was Who's going to make the speech team? Mm-hmm. It was who's going to be in drama club. Um, all these different things I'm competing for now. Mm-hmm. With who? 
white girls. Okay. These are the people who were going for these, um, I want to say more cognitive positions, mm-hmm. such as acting and reading aloud poetry and, okay. and things like that. Um, advanced placement classes. Um, it definitely became a competition to be heard, mm. to have a voice in school and to be recognized as actual being smart. Got it. You really had to fight to be recognized and heard. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, even to the point that, you know, I can score a 30 plus on my ACT, but still not even be heard by the school counselor enough to say, Hey, you should go to college Mm. still to be grouped in with the gangbangers at my school because I looked like them because I came from the, the, I rode the same bus Mm -hmm. from the same area as them. To be grouped in with them and not given a chance. Got it. To always be screaming to be heard, scratching to be heard. Like, hey, I'm smart. I'm over here. Why are these white girls getting shipped off to Harvard? Mm -hmm. Why are these white girls getting shipped off to Yale and Princeton and to Northwestern University up here in Chicago? And I can't even get a chance. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, And I think the other identity, like we talked about, is white male. Mm -hmm. Um, For obvious reasons. Well, um, break it down. Ooh, that's deep. I feel like, even to this day, uh, coming up through high school, you know, I was on the wrestling team. I had to compete very hard to become the captain of the wrestling team. My main competitor were white males. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear a lot of locker room rhetoric about uh, the black the black boys. Uh, they think they're all that. Hmm. You know, they they they're built like apes. Wow. You know, they're strong. They got they got these big muscles, but we'll show them. And you'll always see the white boys, you know, trying to outdo you in the weight room. And that was just these are just the early years, right? right. So they all they, they felt inferior hmm. but they put it off as superiority. Okay. And they played their privilege role in that. I don't it's I know that sounds crazy. But that's how I perceived it in high school. Um, and even to to nowadays, it's like, went to college, um, studied alongside the white boys. Who got the jobs first? They did. I graduated with a better GPA, but they got the jobs first. Mm. And again, that's obviously white privilege. I get that. Um, but that definitely does strike some some resentment inside of me, mm-hmm. you know, that I have to work daily to get over, to know that not everybody is um, a part of that, mm-hmm. but they're in that system, so they're definitely going to take that privilege, but not everybody is making that and perpetuating that privilege sure. on purpose. Some are, and some aren't. So, so competition was heavy always Mm -hmm. feeling like you had to compete yeah as opposed to just be yeah yeah and the brewing of resentment came from competing and working hard and still not being able to come out on top or win because of white privilege Mm -hmm. because of um 
seeing white people be privileged Mm -hmm. to not work as hard as you, to not be able to best you, and yet still be acknowledged. Still be acknowledged. Yeah. I think that's where, I think those are the identities that I have trouble with Mm -hmm. still. As a black male Christian American, um, <laughs> however deep you want to go with that okay. identity. I mean, we're flipping it up now because the the salient ones. It's interesting to me as I'm thinking about these questions because the identities that we start off with as salient sometimes show up when you think about Other who things. you struggle yeah. to love. Yeah, but in this way. It it doesn't come up that way, right? That's yeah. That's important to know. It's interesting to think about how that plays out. When you're thinking about something mm-hmm. else, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, whew, yeah. That just made me go back into myself. Like, yo, I still do have resentment for white people. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not a hate. It's a feeling that you're still grappling with right now. Yeah, based on your experience. Yeah. Of being in the world with them and seeing how the outcomes play out. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, which causes me to to step outside of myself and say, hey, I want to pull myself out of their structure mm-hmm. and make my own structure. Mm. Right? Make my own world. Make my own business. Um, become an entrepreneur. So I make my own rules mm-hmm. of privilege. Mm. So now I am my privilege. Got it. I make my privilege. So a part of you wants privilege mm-hmm. definitely but i want to remove myself away from their privilege system mm-hmm. so if they set their constructs as hey this white guy is going to get this job before any black mm-hmm. guy that applies i'm going to remove myself away from that job situation period got it and i'll create my own and this is the dichotomy that people sometimes create tell me what you think of mm-hmm. this so on one hand some people are like People with marginalized identities, whatever they are, black people, whatever, mm. they don't really want equality. They just want to have privilege. Mm. And some people are like, we want equality or equity. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's more about the privilege and being at the top and having those advantages, those unearned advantages? Yeah. Or do you feel like it's about everybody having a playing field where they can do their best and be who they are, be their best. Which one? I think if if it's a, even a dichotomy, I don't know. I think that everybody would not, nobody would turn down privilege mm. if it was given to them. Okay. Right. Is privilege by design right? Is it correct? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Um, I don't think anyone should have a privilege, an unearned right to mm. something, um, just because of how they look. Not even me. Um, so I definitely believe in equality. I definitely believe, as a hardworking person uh, who's always fought, mm-hmm. who's always competed, I feel like let the best man win. Mm, okay. You know, so with jobs that I haven't got chosen for in the past, it's like. I would just want the best man to win. Mm-hmm. But when deep down, you know, this guy came from, you know, a junior college with two years experience and you 
have been beasting in this field for six, seven years, mm-hmm. and they get the job because the the big boss knows he can have a drink with him okay. and feel closer because he's a white male. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's unearned. That's an unearned right to that position. Mm-hmm. That's privilege. Um, so I, I never, I'm never an advocate for uh, privilege. Um, and some people may disagree with me. I'm not. Let me step lightly on this. Initially, I wasn't an advocate for affirmative action mm-hmm. until I s- saw how much privilege was out there. Mm, okay. And the ground it needed to be made you up. You know you got to break that down. You got to give me the yeah. context for that. Because that's real. I hear I yeah. hear people struggling with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want your handouts. Mm-hmm. Right? And I was, in the early days, I was so against it. I don't want your handouts. We're more than capable. Mm-hmm. I got this. I'm 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. I don't need your handouts. Mm-hmm. I'm brilliant. I got this. Job turned down. Didn't get that position. Mm-hmm. Oh, didn't get mm-hmm. that position. Oh, didn't get that position. Oh. Oh, we need a lever to make this equal out here. Oh. So we do need affirmative action. Mm-hmm. We do need some kind of checks and balance to say, hey, if a black person comes in and they're qualified, hire them. But see, the thing about affirmative action is still not privileged. Affirmative action is you're black and you're qualified. Mm. Then you get to position, not you're black, you showed up, you applied, you get the position. Okay. And that's the difference where I had to see and affirmative action is it, it's still not equal to the white privilege that exists. Gotcha. You still have to be qualified. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a shoe in for the position as, as a white person would have it with their white privilege. And a lot of people who are against affirmative action make that case. Mm-hmm. Oh, that person is just here because they're black. They're mm-hmm. just here because they're a woman as opposed to thinking about what you just said. Well, they are qualified mm-hmm. and they're yep. black or qualified. They're part and, of this marginalized uh-huh. group who is not who's underrepresented in this company. Gotcha. So it's like we need some diversity. Mm-hmm. We need somebody that's qualified. That's where affirmative action comes gotcha. in. Gotcha. Um, and so that's my new understanding of it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm all for it, hundred and ten percent. You switched like, up. I, I need it, right? We we need it. it as black people, as, as women who are underrepresented grossly in the workforce, we need that mm. um, to battle the white privilege. How many times have you seen a white person in position where they don't know what they're doing? Mm. How many times have you seen a white person? I, I can speak to... Ten of my black friends and nine of them have come across a white person who's been in a position of power over them that did not know more than them. Mm. That they had to train. That they had to train up. That they had to manage up. That's a term. To mm-hmm. manage up, right? To to still step around, to still t- tiptoe around, but still 
manage up by saying, here, let me show you how to do this, but then what do you want me to do? Right? It's still a form of kowtowing and reminds you of slavery, right? Mm. Reminds you of the other person who, the slave who knew how to shoot a horse, right? Mm -hmm. Put the shoes on the horse and the master only knew how to ride the horse. But then the master said, oh, I got to change this shoe. You show me how to do this, slave. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing. Wow. Well, I only have one more question. <laughs> Did we get deep? We get, you know, and that's what this is about. Yeah. Really he- flushing it out. Yeah. What do you love most about you? Ooh. What do I love about Ramon? Mm. I think I know for a fact that I am a person who if I found me I would become best friends with Mm. I am the person I have become the man that if I was transposed over into a woman's body, I would want to marry that woman. I've become a person who I would want to know. Mm. Um, I'm a person led by love. I'm a person who's very reflective, who's corrective, in both natures, meaning receiving it and sending it when needed. You know, I'm still growing in that, right? I still see people who need correction and don't give it to them all the time, right? It's human nature, right? It's American nature. <laughs> um, but I see myself as somebody who chooses love. And that's, you know, the heart of a pure Christian is you choose love over fear. Mm. You choose love over um, evil, over be, over over <laughs> being mean. <laughs> you know, you're just not mean to people. Um, I'm not mean to people. I don't care who they are. If they're being mean to me, I've grown into a person where I don't want to be mean to anyone because mm. everybody has a means of why they're being mean. <laughs> You know, a means for mean. A means for being mean, right? Um, I don't think people by nature are mean. I really don't. I used to think that, right? I don't think people are mean by nature. And I just want to see and bring out and help bring out that light nature in everybody. Mm. You know, I've, I've had, a, had a lot of interactions with people where they see me. And they assume that it's about to be a a bad interaction. Mm. An interaction they've seen on BET or World Star Hip Hop, right? With a black man. It's a black man. Uh-oh. And then once they interact and they bring all of their fire, and I respond with water, cool water, like, put out your fire, buddy. I'm not here to hurt you. I think that's who I am. I'm water on people's fire. Mm. I used to be gasoline to people's fire. Wow. I'm not going to lie. 
you know, growing up in Chicago, uh, you had to be either fire or gasoline to let people know, hey, you fire, I'm fire too. We can all burn. Mm-hmm. You know, we can all die right now. We can now. all die right now, right? <laughs> and so that's what do you want to call that? The gangster mentality, the 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 roughneck, or they call it savage now. They call mm-hmm. it, you know, if you meet fire with fire, you're a savage. You're a Chicago savage. Um, growing up in that, you you had to be that as a protective device. Mm. Um, but I think in my later years now, after going through all of that, I've consciously decided to be water. Mm. There's no need for the stress of confrontation. Let me know if I'm getting this right, but it sounds like you're saying what you love most about you is your ability to transform, your transformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My ability to be loved and corrected. You know, that, that helps me be transformed. Because it seems like you're talking about a time where you weren't the man you are today mm-hmm. and you really love the man you are now. Mm-hmm. But that process. Mm-hmm. The process was love. That process mm-hmm. was, that's why I speak so hard on affirming mm-hmm. and correcting. Mm-hmm. Um, that process is growth. Growth. Love is growth. Love promotes growth. Mm. Um, if I wasn't loved upon, I would not be the man that I am today. Right. If I didn't let different men um, of God speak into my life, if I didn't let different women speak into my life, um, different people, right? Um, friends, coworkers. If I didn't let them speak into my life and, and even just think about what they said to me, I wouldn't be the man who I am today. Mm. Right. Because we all have a choice Mm -hmm. and I chose to listen and to try it out. I'm a scientist by nature, so I'm going to experiment. I became a Christian by experimentation. Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? I'm going to try this out. And if this makes me a better man, I don't care if God ain't real. I don't care if Jesus not real. You know, speaking Mm -hmm. out like that in in my younger years, I don't care if, if, if heaven or hell ain't real. I know Christianity made me a better man. Mm. Just the concepts behind it, the concepts of love, the concepts of stay in your lane over mm-hmm. here. Don't get into that lane over there. Don't <laughs> gossip. Don't mm-hmm. be mean. Give to the needy. The principles and values of Christianity mm-hmm. made me just connected to you. Yeah. So then your capacity for growth and transformation, not just the transformation, but your capacity to take that knowledge Take that correction, take that love, affirmation, mm-hmm. all the things that were poured into you. Yeah. And use that to become mm-hmm. who you are right now yeah. is what you love most. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to end then. It was a pleasure talking with you, Dr. Harkon. It was a pleasure talking to you, Mr. Harkon. Hey. I love you. I love you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us. To connect and contribute, go to howtolovahuman.com. How to love a human.